Sean Erian is a man on a mission. Since 2018, Sean has traveled the world, volunteering his time and expertise in hurricane disaster response. His aim, to rescue as many animals as possible. When Hurricane Katrina, perhaps the most infamous hurricane in recent times, ravaged the southern United States in 2005, thousands of people were left without homes. Hundreds were killed. There was another cost, another staggering statistic that often gets forgotten. Up to 250,000 pets had to be abandoned by their devastated owners as they battled to escape one of the worst storms in the history of the United States. As many as 150,000 of those pets are thought to have died. It's the same for all major disasters, and Sean is determined to do something about it. In 2019, a Category 5 hurricane named Hurricane Dorian made landfall with the Bahamas, completely devastating the region. At home in Florida, Sean watched the scenes of destruction unfolding on the news and couldn't stop thinking of all the animals helplessly caught up in the chaos. He knew he just had to do something to help. I'm Donnie Dust, United States Marine Corps veteran and world-renowned survival expert. This is Rescue. Today's episode, Searching for a Miracle. My current occupation is I'm an entrepreneur, working specialty trades and fields. Most of it is in disaster response, power generation, getting to communications backup, clearing roadways. This is Sean Erion. Back in 2019, Sean worked all kinds of jobs, offering a hand to anyone who needed one. What you call Florida Cracker, just a everyday clear land, cut trees down, fix fence for people, put in driveways, work on diesel trucks and equipment, just blue collar hard work. Sean grew up in the Tampa region of Florida in the United States. The people of Florida were just a little bit different breed. There's no race, creed, or color in Florida. Everybody's a, a big mix. It's kind of what's cool about it. As far back as Sean can remember, he always had a deep love for animals. Growing up, I wanted to be a veterinarian. Grew up in a household with animals, birds, dogs, cats, snakes, lizards, hamsters, all kinds of different animals around the house. Family had sheep and cattle. I always felt my, my closest bond was with animals. And they speak to you if, you if you can learn to listen to them. I learned that young. 
He remembers one transformative experience in particular from when he was a little kid. Probably six, seven years old with a blue jay that I had nursed back to health that had fallen out of a tree. Three or four months after I had released it, out in the yard, goofing off, and he actually came and landed on my hand while I was doing something. Looked at me for a second. The Blue Jay remembered me. From then, it was like, all right, to myself, I was like, I can communicate with these animals. They know I'm not going to hurt them. I was like, hey, if an animal needs help, I'm going to help it. I don't, I don't ever want to see any bad deed done to an animal. They, they don't deserve to be treated unfair. Though the Blue Jay made a lasting impression, the animals closest to Sean's heart have always been dogs. I trained dogs for years as a kid. Dogs like a purpose. They like to have a job. If you learn that they like a job and you expand upon that, that dog's gonna blossom. Talk with them and communicate with them. They're, they're, they're telling you they wanna learn something, they wanna do something. At his small hometown in Florida, Sean had another formative experience that, like his friendship with the Blue Jay, left a lasting impression on him. All through my youth and school, we had the Kosovo crisis, and we had a lot of people immigrate over to the small town that I grew up. We had families that had moved to the area from both sides of that conflict. You saw that there's despair in the world, and People are just trying to live and survive and just want to do better. But it's part of what created a, a sense to give back. The desire to give back to his community and others inspired Sean to offer his services, mainly in helping reestablish power in the wake of natural disasters. And in Florida, that usually means one type of disaster in particular. A lot of hurricanes. That was a part of our lifestyle. It's what made Florida. In 2017, Hurricane Irma swept across Cuba and the Gulf Coast of Florida, killing over 130 people. It devastated the area where Sean grew up. It was also the perfect opportunity for Sean to start giving back. I started doing what I could to help and meeting up with these organizations that were doing things to help and just dive in. Hey, I have this ability. I have this type of equipment, this type of training. I can do this, this, and this. What do you need me to do? The following year, when Hurricane Florence swept across the Carolinas, Sean was drafted in to help restore power throughout the region. It was there that he saw for the first time how devastating hurricanes could be for other animals, not just people. Dog on the side of the road that needs help. I can see it's trapped in floodwaters. I can get to it, I have a boat. Let's figure out where its home is. Go get to it and figure out where to take him. And that's how I came across Big Dog. Big Dog Rescue Ranch is a nonprofit organization founded in 2008 by Lori Simmons. She's got a heart of gold when it comes to dogs, now, all animals. Lori will drop at no expense to save an animal's life. 
even if it's one dog. Big Dog Ranch's principal mission is to rescue dogs from any type of negative situation and find them homes where possible. Sean started volunteering for them in 2018, often helping out at their headquarters in West Palm Beach County. They have a 33-acre facility there. It's a cage-free, no-kill animal shelter. They have probably 600 dogs on campus. They'll come in and they'll be worked with with trainers and volunteers come in and work with them, getting them adapted to, to spending time with people. With his experience training dogs and his numerous technical skills, Sean quickly became an invaluable member of the team, assisting them all over the world. If they have a dog that is problematic, they ask me what I think of the dog, what I think of its temperament, if it can be worked with, what it needs. Puerto Rico, Bahamas, China, all over the southeastern United States, all kinds of different animals. Just being out there helping. The charity has never needed more than after major national disasters. And in 2019, Big Dog Ranch and Sean were about to face their biggest test yet. Its name was Hurricane Dorian. The water continues to rise. Tonight, the Bahamas torn apart. Dorian, a slow-moving monster. Swallowing homes, mangling cars, and pushing an angry sea onto people's doorsteps. We're literally in the ocean. On Grand Bahama, David Mackey gave a chilling play-by-play. His home on stilts, no match for a two-story storm surge. Far beyond anything we've ever imagined or ever experienced. More after the break. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. And as that storm heads for the East Coast, states of emergency have been declared in five states from Florida to Virginia. I was watching it spin up in the Atlantic and it looked like what we called a Florida killer storm. It's Cat 5 bearing down at the Bahamas and it's coming straight for Florida. I've got a lot of friends, family there, big dog ranches there. Oh, here we go. Category five is as high as it gets on the hurricane classification system. Used only for the most devastating hurricanes where storm winds can reach up to 200 miles per hour. Hurricane Dorian is due to hit Florida any minute. So Sean readies himself to start deploying generators to wherever they might be needed. But then the forecast changes. That storm decided it wanted to sit on the Bahamas, and it sat on the Bahamas for 48 hours. 200 mile an hour winds, just pummeling the island. I've been there previous to the hurricanes. I, I know the Bahamian Islands well. I knew what they were going through there. They were getting lashed. Sean decides 
there and then. If the hurricane isn't going to come to him, he will go to it. Our neighbors in the islands just got hammered. Those are our friends. So holy shit, we gotta start doing something. The Bahamas consist of almost 700 islands in total, 30 of which are inhabited. The Abaco Islands, consisting mainly of Great Abaco and Little Abaco, are located in the north of the Bahamas. It looks like they're first in line to be hit. For anyone who's never been, it's just what you might imagine the Bahamas to look like. Lush green palms, white sandy beaches, and azure blue seas. Abaco is a pretty interesting island. It's a very rural island. It's very much like the area I grew up in in Florida. As swamplands, tidelands, marshlands, a little bit of pine forest, and it's a large island, um, very skinny and very long. That's just a, a neat island, cool people, lots of culture. It's the Bahamas, it's beautiful. Unless it's hit by a hurricane. Together with Big Dog Rescue, Sean gets ready to head to the island at the first opportunity. They wait eagerly for the green light from authorities. The Coast Guard, the Navy, and all the governmental agencies about to get over there to figure out if we could even get there. What was left? They secured the airstrip, cleared it off enough. They started to say, all right, we've done our, our first phase. We're going to start allowing people to come in to help. With the worst of the hurricane over, Sean, along with the other volunteers from Big Dog, get the all clear to ship out. They are there within a day. As he flies over, Sean readies himself for what is about to come. I'm flying in knowing that I'm going into pure chaos. Sean has friends in the U.S. military who were among the first disaster responders to get to the island. They give him advice on what to expect. Be prepared. It's rough. Okay. I know what I'm going into. I'm, I'm not afraid of it. It's, uh, let's go. Even still, he isn't quite prepared for the sheer level of devastation he finds on the island. It was the hurricane of hurricanes. There's people missing, there's animals missing. It's like, holy shit. This is bad. The damage is almost incomprehensible. A 25-foot surge came across the island, moved uh, Connex boxes across the island like bowling balls. Connex boxes, also known as shipping containers, some can be as heavy as four tons, and they were blown about like cardboard boxes. Pummeled everything. It was catastrophic. Just 100% devastating. There's no words for it. I had people from the Weather Channel there that told me that they'd never seen that kind of devastation before. Everything was destroyed. The houses picked up off their foundations and flipped upside down in place. You're just like, how did that happen? No power, 
no fresh water. The only power that you could possibly have is a cell battery backup. You don't have communication there. There's no cell towers. There's no anything. Sean isn't phased by any of it. If anything, it makes him more determined. When I saw the devastation on the island, I knew I would be there as long as I could be. I knew it was bad. I was like, all right, I've got the ability. I've got the time. Let's go. Sean's first step is to make himself known to the various authorities working on the island so he can draw on their resources if need be. The next is to secure himself some transport. He asks someone on the ground for advice. Do you know how to hotwire? I'm a mechanic by trade. Yeah, no problem. I said, pick whatever vehicle you want. If it runs, you can use it. They start looking for a serviceable vehicle. Due to the desperation of their owners to escape, Many vehicles still have their keys in the ignition. Before long, Sean and his team have procured themselves a Jeep. All right, this one runs, this one doesn't. I got to take parts from this one to make this one run. We put together a couple vehicles. And you're like, okay, let's go venture out and see if we can get places. With that, they set out in search of animals. Since they are not allowed to stay the night, they have to move fast before their flight back leaves. I know the island enough. I've got a a paper map and I know how to navigate and I'm off. I had a, a list of animals that we were looking for and we went and found them and found other dogs. Sean finds dogs everywhere. Some cower in ruined buildings that teeter on the verge of collapse. Others find refuge amid the endless piles of debris that now litter the entire island. All are in bad shape. It's heartbreaking to see. They're so shell-shocked. This is the easiest way to describe it. They, they have no idea what's happened. It's like everything we knew is gone. Dogs hear so much better than us, you can only imagine what that sound is of the hurricane that they survived. They're traumatized. Even if it's a dog that knew you that's friendly, they're like, I, I, I don't know what to do with you. Many are physically injured, with broken bones and internal injuries. They shiver and cower when Sean approaches. To get a hold of them, he starts by trying to earn their trust. Work with them treats and coax them towards you. And hey, I'm your friend, I'm not here to hurt you. I've got water, I've got food. I know you haven't had water or food. Let me help you. Many are just too scared and run away. In those cases, Sean has no choice 
but to give chase. Sometimes you've got to chase them, snatch them, grab them. I grew up grabbing snakes and alligators. I have fast reflexes, so I grab a dog and pull it in real close and, hey, let's calm down, let's be a friend. Almost every dog I've ever caught has showed me that gratification. Like, hey, I understand that you're not here to hurt me now. When the dogs are caught, Sean gets them each into a pet carrier and then puts them in the back of the Jeep. It isn't long before they've run out of space. Sean manages to rescue about 10 dogs on the first day, all separated from their owners in the chaos of the storm. That night, they are flown to safety in Florida. But Sean is already thinking about the next day. The first trip it gave me an idea of what I needed. I've got a, a day pack that I carry for situations that I get into. And I have enough tooling in there to, to do something. And I said, all right, that's not enough. I need more. Went back, got equipment. I, I put together pry bars, saws, the different extraction equipment to get into things and open things and build things that I, would be useful for me over there because there's nothing over there. You, you were salvaging whatever you could find. Some people from an organization that I, I've worked with previously said, all right, we were regrouping and heading right back over. And went back on that first flight. More after the break. Sean spends the next day, much like the first, driving around the island, looking for dogs. But with only so much time in the day, it's a frustrating experience. Every trip, we, we could only bring so much supplies over with the aircraft and so many animals back. Sean knows if he's going to have any chance of making a real difference, he needs more time and freedom to operate. I'm like, here, just leave me on the island. I'm like, I'm not coming back. I've met everybody in the de Defense Force and all the governmental people. They know that I'm here to help. They said, hey, you're good to stay on the island. So I, I stayed on the island and started doing my thing over there. With Sean now staying on the island, the true scale of the task reveals itself. Having survived the initial shock of the hurricane, the stranded dogs and other animals grow increasingly desperate for food, shelter, and water. You started seeing dogs fighting over stuff. There's no fresh water. A little bit of rains that come through would fill up a, a hubcap or a depression in the ground or something that's ravaged with debris. There's enough things to collect little bits of water that things can survive. I found sea turtles on top of cars. Dogs were eating stuff like that to survive. There are no home comforts for Sean either. Bathing in the salt water, the only fresh water you had was water bottles. And you'd bathe in the salt water, then pop a hole with a knife in the top of a, a water bottle and spray yourself down to just rinse as much salt off as you could. At one point I was so in desperation for something to drink that I found a Connex container 
with some Tampico juice in it and was drinking that. It was the Wild West. Over time, word of the volunteers rescuing dogs begins to spread. It started growing like people like, oh, I want to go with you. I'm like, okay. Uh, more eyes, the better. And I was lucky enough to have some people come with me that were able to do, help me. There's, there's only so much you can do as one person with, with tools and everything. Um, you can only pull things apart so hard or lift things up. You get farther places and in deeper stuff. And also, you if you go, hey, if I end up trapped in something, at least somebody knows he's going to need help. Or he said, leave him. Though Sean's initial aim was to find missing pets, many of the dogs needing help were strays. Bahamas have what they call pot cakes. That's what they call their feral dogs. Mutts. That's uh, that's the best term for it. They're mutts. I, I love mutts. All my dogs are mutts. Some animals, they knew people. They weren't fearful of people. They knew you were there to help and you could catch them. But not all were so happy to be helped. Some animals were very feral. They, they wouldn't come near you. There's big dogs out there that don't want to be messed with. I've been face-to-face with dogs that they let you know. There's some dogs that when I'm out there, I just know I'm not going to be able to save. They're fine on their own. They're wild animals. After the first few days, Sean has acquired a pack of roughly 15 dogs. But the next flight out is still days away. Finding 10 to 15 dogs a day. Started realizing real fast, we've got to figure out a way to house these dogs. And set up a makeshift camp. I was lucky enough to meet some people on the island that had a friend that had a condo that was blown out. All the windows were blown out of it. It was destroyed. They said, look, you're more than welcome to use this. Use it, keep the dogs here. There's no running water. There's no lights. The roof had been blown off the house. It was just open shell. There's some moldy couch cushions and put a tarp over them and a sleeping bag and hide from the mosquitoes. Found crates on the island from people's pets. Salvaging whatever you could find. Started making little wooden enclosures, keep dogs in baby gates, stuff like that. And so, at night, that's where Sean sleeps, accompanied by all the dogs he saved, all of them huddling down together. It was uh, sleeping in the, in the elements. It's beautiful. There's no light anywhere. Come dawn, it's back to work. It doesn't matter how tired he is, Sean just keeps on going. When I go into these things, I'm prepared not to come back. If I have to. To save an animal, I don't care. Throughout Sean's time on the island, a major humanitarian effort is being led by the U.S. military and the United States Agency for International Development to help all those caught up in the hurricane. 
it makes it easier for Sean to focus on rescuing the animals, knowing that is being taken care of. But Sean's always on hand to help people, too, whenever it's needed. Sadly, more often than not, it's already too late. I've come across people trapped in the rubble. Most of the time when you're coming across stuff there, it's it's people that have deceased. There's a, a huge area of devastation that was just debris piled up and pull a piece of plywood back and say, all right, well, need to need to let somebody know. Let's get the remains found so people can have closure. Everything needs closure. Sean regards it as, sadly, part of the job. It's all factored in for me, for myself. That's why I do it. I understand it. You just have to know you're going into it. You're going to deal with it. And you go, okay, that's that's part of the job. I look at everything as a job. You know, I was raised blue collar and work hard and everything's a job. I take everything and I make it a mission purpose to do something and just go forth with it. I live by that. Just be prepared for whatever comes at you. That's just part of being out there and you, you just say, hey, here we go. On the third day of being left on the island, Sean and some colleagues drive out to Marsh Harbor, one of the major towns in the Abacos. On their way, they pass a junkyard. It was a bunch of abandoned semi-trailers full of air conditioning units. Weirdest place that you'd think that you'd find dogs, but the dogs were there. I drove past it and went to uh, Marsh Harbor. We were pretty tired. Got done with our, our mission in Marsh Harbor. On the way back, they passed the junkyard again. I said, let's go back to the spot. Something just keeps telling me to go back there. We've seen dogs on the drone there. Let me go check this out. They turn back and park outside the junkyard. Sean gets out and splashes down in the floodwaters, much lower now than when they first arrived. Then he steps into the yard. There was a marshy area that came up to where all these trailers were stacked up. It had been flooded and inundated and a tidal surge had come through there. And I walk around this just pile of rubble and air conditioning units. Sean keeps still, looking out for any sign of movement and listening for any sound of life. He calls out, but gets no response. Then, he tries something else. Kind of just whistle, like I would for my own dog. Something I'd never really tried before. And I heard a a whimper howl. It's coming from deep within the pile of air conditioning units. Sean moves in for a closer look. Then, he spots some matted fur in the debris. There's a dead dog laying there. 
Well, that's not the whimper I heard. Sean whistles again. And again comes back the whimper. Look around, look around. And uh, see this dog just pick his head up just between two air conditioning units and there's a refrigerator or something else on top of it. I'm like, holy shit, there's a dog that's alive. He looked like a, a, a pit bull and a brown and black brindle striping, some white on his face and on his blaze. He was just a, a, a young dog. About a year and a half was our approximation. The dog's eyes flash with desperation. Sean races to its aid. Started climbing across the rubble pile. Adrenaline pumping, Sean has to be careful. Pushing yourself through this rubble and climbing through it, stuff happens. Stuff collapses on you. Step one wrong place and you'll fall through a, a board. Hell, I've taken rebar through the leg in situations and tape myself up. It's just part of the job. It's a, all right, I'm not going to die from it. It's just a flesh wound and you keep going. Sean moves carefully over the pile of rubble and eventually makes it to the dog. Looked into this dog and I'm like, hey, I'm your friend. The dog looked at me like, thank you. Thank you for showing up. Sean's first instinct is to give the dog some food. Had a can of dog food in my cargo pocket. I busted it open and it ate a little bit of the food, but it was so emaciated and, and dehydrated that it didn't really care for the food. The dog was in dire need of medical attention. Sean needs to act fast to make sure it doesn't bolt off or retreat further into the rubble. I always carry a, a slip lead on me, which is a, a dog handler's leash. They understand pressure. You can control them with that. But as it turns out, the dog isn't going anywhere. Let's see what's going on. Oh, this air conditioning unit's on your back. He couldn't move. Another volunteer arrives to lend him a hand. He climbs into the rubble and pries up on the, the unit while I pull the dog out. It's even worse than they thought. This dog is bad. He's in bad shape. He was hanging on to life. He, he was dingy, just struggling. And I could tell how dehydrated it was. I looked, pulled his gums up, looked at him. They're just pure white. Worked around enough dogs, you, you learn things. And this dog needs water, but you didn't want to give it too much water. Sean knows they are running out of time. This dog's going to die on the island. We got to do something. He was lucky enough that he was underneath this air conditioning unit because he was trapped. It kept him shaded. And there was a, a, a drip pan from an AC unit that was under there that was collecting dew. And he was able to get enough hydration to just keep hanging on. Sean carefully pulls him out and carries him to the Jeep. There's a veterinarian on the island called Dr. Bailey. They rush the dog to him. Paul asked to Doc Bailey, and uh, Doc, this dog needs fluids. He's like, that dog's not gonna make it. Sean won't give up. 
seeing the dog go through such desperation and, and will to survive, you're like, wow, that's a primal instinct. Knowing that they're trapped, they're stuck. They have a primal instinct to just keep holding on. And when you see that, it gives you more will to do more. If they have that much drive, I have that much drive to go help them. I'm like, yeah, he's going to make it. I said, all right. Starts giving him fluids. The next step is getting the dog off the island. He puts the call in to Big Dog Rescue. Get a sat phone, I call back to Big Dog. And I say, look, we got to get this dog out of here. It's emaciated. It's bad. It's going to die. It needs 24-7 veterinary care. Lori at Big Dog says, how long does it take you from where you are to get to the airport? I said, it's about a 30-minute drive. I said, we're going to see as many as much fluids as we can get in him safely. Lori says, I'll have a plane there in an hour and a half. While they wait for the plane, they get as many fluids into the dog as they can. Sean decides to give him a name. I was calling him Coolio because I found him underneath an AC unit and I listened to Coolio growing up. I was like, ah, that's your name, Coolio. Finally, the plane arrives. Sean is on hand to make sure Coolio makes it on board. With still so much to do on the island, Sean isn't going back with him. It's hard to say goodbye. I'm not going back with you. I'm staying. There's more dogs to be found here. And he's like, all right, I got it. And I said, there'll be somebody to meet you at the airport. And he just was looking at me like, thank you, man, for, for saving me. And I, I sent him on his way. I had no idea if he was going to make it or not. Sean stays on the island for another seven days. Over the next few days, I continue to find multiple stray animals. I still had my list of people's animals that were left behind. Despite Sean's valiant efforts, inevitably, many of the owners that ask him to find their dogs will never see their cherished four-legged friends again. Knowing just how devastating it is to lose a pet is part of what keeps Sean going. But after almost five weeks on the island, it's time to call it a day. I was gassed. I was done. I was burnt out, tired, dropped 15 pounds of weight, not eating, sunburnt. It was time to, to go home. By the time I left the island, I think I was at 156 dogs and three cats. That's uh, that was, that was a lot of animals. As Sean takes off from the Bahamas, he gazes out the window at the devastation below. It's a heartbreaking moment for him. Knowing there are still animals there, knowing that there are still people that are going to go through years of rebuilding. I grew up around hurricanes. I know what it's like. It was tough. It was tough to leave. Back in Florida at Big Dog Ranch, Coolio is being treated by the on-site veterinary team. His prognosis does not look good. 
When he got to the vets, he was severely emaciated. They guessed that he was 30 to 40 pounds underweight. He had to go through parasite treatments and he just drinking rainwater with whatever's been washed in from the hurricane. It was going to be a long road to recovery. But day by day, he gets stronger. When I came back from the, the island, my next immediate thing was to, to go see Coolio. And uh, they're like, do you want to see him? I'd been given updates that he'd been severely underweight. I'm like, yeah, of course. It's uh, <laughs> like, to see how he's doing. So I got back and I'm like, where's, uh, where's Coolio? And they're like, miracle. Sean is thrown for a moment before realizing that only he knew the dog as Coolio. In his absence, Coolio has been renamed as Miracle. I said, it's a miracle that he survived. That's how he got his name. When Sean first saw him again, Coolio, or rather Miracle, was still very much in the recuperation phase. Sean was told to prepare for a timid dog, still struggling to come to terms with his new environment. He had been laying emotionless, dormant with everybody. He just had no will to to get up. He had been lethargic. He had not done anything. When I first saw him, he just looked at me like, I remember you. And when I first sat with him, He picked up his head and sat up and looked at me and put his head in my hand. Like, thanks, man. He had all the gratitude in the world. We had a connection. Actually, I got him to start sitting up. I was like, all right, that's all I needed from you. You're going to keep surviving and keep going. Over the next few weeks, being the only person that Miracle seems to trust, Sean works with him to help speed up his recovery. I I would go spend as much time as I could with him there between my travels and work schedule and kept working with him. It's it's like, all right, wow, this dog's actually going to do this. He's going to make it through. It was cool to spend time with him because normally they don't make it. The next step was to find Miracle's family. We'd put out a bulletin looking for his original owner's and post a picture, put it up with a description of it. And we reconnected 50 to 60 with their owners that way. But no one called in for Miracle. The reason was clear to Sean. He never had a a family, we believe. He had some characteristics of a dog that had been around people, but in the Bahamas, there's a lot of dogs that are just feral dogs. They pass by people, they understand people, they'll beg for food. The best thing for Miracle was to be adopted. Sean was obviously tempted, but he knew what Miracle really needed was a loving family he'd have all to himself. Everybody's like, are you gonna take him? I'm like, no, he needs to go to somebody else. Got my own dogs, have my own pack already, and. He needs to go to another family. It was a tough decision to make, but in his heart, Sean knew it was the right one. 
He anxiously waited for someone to get in touch who might want to give Miracle a home. But there was no need to worry. There was 10,000 applications to adopt him. It was pretty cool. Sean was keen to be part of the process to make sure Miracle went to the right home. I'd like to meet the people that he's getting adopted to, to see how he is with them. I've, I've got a bond with him, so I feel like I need some sort of say. In the end, the Beatty family from Palm Beach, Florida, were chosen to be Miracle's adopted family. The Beatty family came in, and he had a, a bond with one of their daughters. I saw it, and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And so that made, made me feel all right with, hey, he's got somebody that he trusts, that he, he trusted that little girl. And I said, okay, that's, uh, that's where he's going to go. Told the founder of Big Dog Ranch, she was, she's the ultimate decision. I said, I, I think that's a good family for him to go to. And she said, yeah, I do too. So that was how he, he ended up getting adopted. Since finding a new home, Miracle's recovery has gone from strength to strength. When you think about where he came from to where he is now, can you guys even believe it? It's unbelievable. He, and he's healthy and happy now. He's running around the backyard. It's a new, new beginning for him and a new one for us. Since he's been adopted, loves his family, doing great. He's almost unrecognizable today, just living the dog's life. So he's ha happy and healthy, being friendly with his family and lo loving life. You would never know that he went through the trauma that he went through. He doesn't hold any of that. Living life. Hurricane Dorian claimed the lives of 84 people and countless animals whose number has not been recorded. Thanks to Sean and the team at Big Dog Ranch Rescue, over 150 dogs and cats were rescued from the Bahamas. Most have since been reunited with their grateful owners or found new adopted homes. You've been listening to Rescue with Donnie Dust. Rescue is a Sony Music Entertainment production. Thanks to all the contributors for sharing their story with us. Rescue is produced by Richard McLean Smith. The executive producer is Louisa Field. The junior producer is Martha Miller. Scoring and sound design by Gulliver Tickle. Music composed by Eleni Hassabas. The production coordinator is Lily Hambly. The production manager is Kat Moran. Thanks to Georgia Mills for additional production support. Thanks to Jez Nelson, Chris Skinner, and Julia Stevenson. If you like this podcast, then do check out other Sony podcasts. <laughs>